0: Come on in, sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 211 of the wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting, and this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis around the trends and best practices all about wealth management technology. Welcome to our November news review. I've got a lot of stories to cover, including a wide chart proposals function feature, uh, DocuPace launches an API developer portal. Fidelity is blocking screen scraping, Mint is shutting down, uh, intentionally launching their advisor brand builder, and of course, updates on the WealthTech integration scores and the Keatsys Ezra Group advisor tech map. But before I get started, I have a message for you executives at wealth management firms. Your tech debt is holding back your business growth. Your software platform is old and rusted and falling apart and needs an overhaul. Your disparate systems don't communicate with each other, and it's driving your operational staff and advisors crazy with manual processes and errors. So if you're in charge of tech or ops at a broker-dealer or RIA, you should run, not walk, to our website, EzraGroup.com, and fill out the Contact Us form on the homepage. Our experienced team can evaluate your current tech ecosystem, deliver targeted recommendations, optimize your existing systems and operations, or even run an RFP and help you implement a new software platform to take your firm to the next level. You can take advantage of our free consultation by going to ezragroup.com. All right, now time for the housekeeping items. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Check out the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation at investinothers.org. All right, let's kick this thing off. Next story, YCharts launches proposals enhancement for advisor-client communications. So for a long time, RIAs that wanted to create proposals for prospective clients were forced to use pretty much a hodgepodge of investor analytics, reporting tools, Excel and PowerPoint, and lots of other manual efforts to stitch things together into a long PDF that they could give to clients as a proposal. And this usually included some form of risk tolerance questionnaire, maybe even some goals, often a current versus proposed, you know, here's your current. Um, investments, your current portfolio, but here's the much better proposed portfolio that we're going to put you into. Maybe some back testing of the models uh, or asset allocation that the advisor was recommending, some financial planning uh, statistics, and then uh, other models. So that was oftentimes uh, what was involved with uh, proposals and some automation became available usually for enterprise platforms or through TAMPs who could deliver proposals for advisors. And over the years, more tools came around that offered uh, different levels of automation for proposals. Uh, One of the early ones was Morningstar Advisor Workstation, which uh, according to Morningstar has over 100,000 active users. Uh, Now, uh, Advisor Workstation not only has proposals, but also uh, investment analytics. That's a common theme that we see a lot of investment analytics tools, adding proposal functionality because they seem to go together. You're doing your investment analytics, and then now let's build a proposal out of that. um, And having those linked together that you could put the model in or push the models from your investment analytics into the proposal is a pretty handy feature. So besides Morningstar Advisor Workstation, there's Hidden Levers, which was acquired by Orion. Uh, That's mainly known as stress testing, but I think more than 40% of their clients, according to the the company, use their proposal gen feature. So it's a a uh, hidden part of the Hidden Levers uh, application. Quanti is another investment analytics tool, which you can find on the Keatsys Ezra Group Advice Tech Map in the investment analytics, investment data slash analytics category. And, uh, of course, another uh, vendor that's, has, uh, that has that gotten to the proposal uh, game uh, was Nitrogen, formerly Riskalyze when they uh, they added proposal generation a couple of years back, and they also added investment analytics. So they came at it from a different direction rather than starting with investment analytics and adding proposal. They started with risk tolerance, then added proposals and investment analytics. So you can come at this in a number of different ways. And then one of the oldest providers of proposal generation IPS tools is Advisory World. Now, Advisory World was acquired by LPL, in 2018, but they were one of the the earliest independent standalone providers of proposal generation technology that also supported uh, fully supported SMAs and UMA, uh, at least SMAs in, in their or they're not necessarily UMA SMAs and had a full database of SMA providers. I mean, we were looking at them back in 2009. And I remember doing some uh, competitive analysis on proposal generation tools for SMAs. Now, uh, other if you look in the uh, at the Keats' Ezra Group Advisor Tech Map you will see there's no longer a proposal generation category. That category went away a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, where uh, mostly due to, yeah, a couple of months ago, I think it was over the summer, mostly uh, driven by uh, nitrogen. Nitrogen coming out with their rebrand from risk class nitrogen and from risk uh, assessment analytics to growth platform. So Michael and I felt that this was uh, a turning point in this particular category and that sales enablement was a more uh, accurate description of what these tools did uh, because not all of them are uh, proposal generation capable there is of course nitrogen advisory world cap intel and Equisoft uh, analyzer all pure uh, or they all have strong proposal generation features there's a couple if you look in the category there's a couple other ones that are mainly only around retirement plans, so I'm not going to talk about those. This is uh, talking about wealth and advisory plans. Now, Virgil is another company that um, doesn't do proposals yet, but I know they are building some proposal functionality. Uh, They're primarily around uh, document scanning, scanning and statements of clients that then are used for the proposal, often for the current versus proposed comparisons. Now, that leads us to uh, not only standalones, but the all-in-one platforms, there's a number of all-in-one platforms that have proposal generation built in, such as Orion. Uh, Orion's um, capability is called Proposals, and it's got proposal generation functionality. And I know uh, Black Diamond, uh, owned by Advent SSNC. they've got not necessarily a, not a, a standalone tool, but something in the SSNC cat- uh, uh, catalog called Rendezvous, which is a prop gen tool that's integrated with Black Diamond. That brings us all back to the story at hand, which is YCharts, um, uh, an investment data analytics application platform that started out as fundamental charting and then added capabilities around building portfolios. And once they did that, it seemed like a logical next step to be able to build proposals from those portfolios. And they have done that. So their uh, feature is also called Proposals, which is a little confusing because Orion's got Orion proposals, and now YCharts has YCharts proposals. So everyone's using just the uh, the synonymous uh, name. The uh, proposals will allow users to position investment recommendations, and also the one of the key differentiators for YCharts proposal functions is being able to attach talking points to your proposal, so you can you can explain to your prospective clients why you're putting them into certain asset allocations or certain uh, portfolios now so they, they believe this custom commentary which is a, a unique feature i don't know if there's anyone else is doing that specifically of course you can always insert a page into a proposal that explains your um, your strategy but <clears throat> that's a, a separate thing this is more built into the functionality so you can highlight particular metrics or statistics performance expectations holding allocations, yields, fees, and more. Uh, So we like this. Um, There's always more room to expand on client communications. And more firms are realizing, more vendors are realizing that advisors need new ways to communicate with clients, connect with them, build a relationship. So why not start from the very first time you interact with your prospective client? It's the proposal. So giving them a good understanding of your firm's um, you know, methodology and your investment strategy can only be uh, a good thing for prospective clients to see. So, they've also got a drag and drop design tool for the proposal uh, report, which a lot of other vendors have as well. You can move the pages around, drag them, drop them, add ones. You can even import, I like guess I said, PDFs from other applications in- into your longer form PDF uh, proposal. So, we're happy to see this from Y Charts, especially because one of our um, method, not methodology, one of our core um, uh, ways of thinking about an advisor tech stack or an RA tech stack or a broker-dealer tech stack is minimize the number of vendors if you can. All things being equal, it's better to have fewer vendors than more vendors just for some of the obvious reasons. Vendor management, multiple contracts, when something goes wrong, if they're integrated systems, you may not know who to call. So if you can have one application like Charts. For your da- investment data analytics, fundamental and fundamental analysis charting, and also use them for proposal generation. Just one less tool in your toolbox that does one more thing, more like a Swiss Army knife. Less uh, easier to train your advisors and other staff on it, um, and it's going to be a little bit better for you in the long run, in our opinion. If you want to find out more about Y Charts proposals, go to ycharts.com. Our next story: DocuPace launches an API developer portal to boost innovations and collaborations. At Ezra Group, we found in general, there's four significant barriers in the way of growth and scale for wealth management firms and RIAs specifically. Number one is a lack of automation in client onboarding. Two is a lack of integration between critical systems. Three is a lack of digital experience for advisors and clients. Uh, And four is a lack of coordination across the back office, which results in manual processes sort of creeping into your daily work until before you know it, half the business is running on Excel. So one of the companies that has taken advantage of that to build a very nice uh, market share for themselves is DocuPace. And they are one of the uh, leading providers of enterprise document management solutions where, where they started their business in document management and uh, archiving and then launched their own new account opening process and workflow, what they call an orchestration engine. And that uh, became very popular. Uh, it was uh, these types of orchestration engines are robust workflow tools that power new account opening with straight through processing. Integrate to many different systems such as custodians, CRMs, and other, uh, but, uh, rather um, uh, custodian CRMs and portfolio management systems. They connect to multiple downstream data subscribers, delivering files into document management platforms for archiving uh, and delivery. Uh, delivering uh, through e- uh, different e-signature platforms to clients, also internal processes for compliance uh, and, and data validation. It's uh, They're really very full-featured applications. Now, uh, DocuPace was primarily in the broker-dealer space until uh, last year when they launched their RIA Productivity Suite, which is basically their entire um, platform, which I just talked about, but focused on the RIA market they had also started acquiring uh, firms. Since they themselves were acquired by PE firm FTV Capital in 2020, they acquired a company called Giacomo, which provided post-trade account surveillance and compliance tools, data integrations, and advisor compensation systems. Uh, That's 2021. Also in 2021, they acquired a company many of us know called Precise FP, which was one of the leading providers of data gathering client engagement solutions. So those two go well with their RIA productivity suite. Now, that takes us to the um, DocuPace API Developer Portal. And as you know, if you listen to this podcast, Ezra Group has the WealthTech Integration Score. We are very big into integrations. We love APIs, and we love firms doing more to make their APIs more transparent and more accessible, and doing providing better support for developers because. Just because you have APIs, if you have no support for developers, they're not going to be able to use them very well or efficiently. What we like about uh, developer portals, and it's one of the requirements we have for getting a higher score in the tech integration score, you must have a developer portal. And uh, I have to say that DocuPace really nailed it when it comes to what needs to be in the portal. Let me just get a, go through a list of what they've got. Number one, documentation. You can have all the code in the world, but if it's not documented well, if there aren't code examples and tutorials, like the next thing, so comprehensive documentation, tutorials and examples. If it's not documented, how it works, usage instructions, parameters, authentication methods, it's gonna be very difficult to use your APIs. If you don't have tutorials and examples, um, no one wants to build code from scratch when it's just simple stuff I can copy paste. If you can give developers copy paste things for very common capabilities, you're really gonna kick kick off the ability to use your APIs efficiently and effectively in different applications. Uh, You wanna be able to test, uh, you want a testing environment, a sandbox where you can test your applications against the company's live APIs uh, in the the developer portal, which uh, DocuPace have. Uh, Besides examples, you want interactive code samples where you can uh, see things live online uh, and have more resources for implementing best practices for different capabilities. Uh, you want a robust environment and you want some, some sort of community collaboration where you may post questions, see, uh, share insights, exchange ideas with other people who are using the same tools. One thing we found in the uh, Ezra Group with the WealthTech Integration Score research that we did, among the over 430 applications uh, on the Keats' Ezra Group Advisor Tech Map and in, the, in our database, a full 38% have no integrations at all, so we really encourage firms to build out their integrations, launch APIs, make it easier for other uh, your clients and also partners to build to your applications and get access to your systems. If you want to find out more about uh, Docupaces API portal, you can go to docupace.com/slash-developer-resources. Uh, this next story is really interesting to me. Uh, Fidelity Blocks Screen Scraping and Mint to Shut Down, a dual story. Why is this interesting? I'm I'm kind of a student of the history of data aggregation. Being in the industry so long, one of the areas I find interesting is how data aggregation works, the importance of data aggregation, how different vendors operate. So we've done a lot of deep dives at Ezra group on data aggregation and data aggregation research. So when I see a story like this come up, I just want to dive right in. Um, so I'm not going to make this too long but I've got a lot of background information on this which I think is interesting so um you know mint shutting down is the end of an era uh, mint when it was founded in 2006 was really the first consumer facing data aggregation tool and also the first to provide a consolidated view of a client's financial life way earlier than um, we in the industry had this act this data both liabilities and assets there's still a lot of advisors who aren't aware of their clients' liabilities. But with Mint, you could see all your credit cards, auto loans, mortgages, as well as investment accounts and uh, and cash accounts and such. So I started using Mint very early. Um, I was one of those sort of nerdy people that used Quicken for many years uh, for my budgeting. And when Mint came along and it was free and it actually worked a lot better, of course, I stopped paying into it for Quicken, whatever it was, 30 bucks a year, 40 bucks a year. And switch to switch to Mint. Now, the of course how they accessed the data uh, was really the only way they could, which was called screen scraping. And the reason why was there were no data feeds, there were no uh, ways to get this data from financial institutions back in the day, back in two thousand and six. Um, you know, APIs were in their infancy back then. With firms, you know, with Salesforce being the first cloud provider, uh, firms like eBay uh, and others. Uh, were pioneers in APIs, but it certainly wasn't mainstream. So screen scraping was really the only way. And that was really getting the, the what, what amounted to was getting the credentials from the client and pretending to log in or logging in uh, automatically uh, through code and then pulling the data off the screen. So there's four problems really with screen scraping and why, uh, while it worked for a while, it's really not a good long-term solution you, re- requires every user to hand over their authentication information to a third party, which inherently isn't safe, no matter how safe that third party might be. When I give Mint um, the 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 information, I'm trusting that Mint's going to hold on to the uh, username and passwords that I'm giving it, that it's not going to, it's not going to be uh, grabbed by a man in the middle attack, or they're, they're not going to have other sorts of breaches that could possibly expose my login information. These screen scrapers are hitting these financial institution websites not just um, once every so often, like a user would. You know, if I log into my Amex card once a week to check, that's one login. But when you go you go to a screen scraper or, or they, when you go to a website like an aggregator like a Mint or Personal Capital and they're using screen scraping, they may be updating your data every day, even though you're not logging in. So they, if they have millions of users they're sending out millions of requests every day to keep their data accurate, which is overwhelming and overloading the websites of all these financial institutions. And they're certainly not happy about that. It costs time and money. It's, it's expensive to do all that. Uh, also, it's a bad customer experience. And if, you, if you're an advisor and you've done any work with any of the early uh, data aggregators that use screen scraping, you've heard the complaints from clients that it's broken it stopped working and it happens all the time because any changes to the institution's website will break the connection because uh when you're screen scraping you're expecting the data to appear in a certain part of the screen so if the financial institution changes their screen layout that's going to break your data pull also if there is a two-factor authentication or clients are forced to change their passwords that also breaks the authentication it's a huge problem on the REA side so um, we're all looking for an option to get away from screen scraping. Now around 2010, I would say, so what APIs and data feeds started becoming more available, more readily available, and that really drastically changed the landscape and uh, providing access to consumer data based on contractual agreements between the aggregators and the financial institutions rather than, hey, we're just going to scrape your screens and take the data and do what we want with it. There's been a number of industry associations That cropped up to try to solve this problem. Uh, One's called the Clearinghouse, which is a banking association and payments company owned by a consortium of large banks. Uh, Of course, they don't like data sharing that uh, involves screen scraping. And they make a good point. You know, if I'm logging onto Mint, Personal Capital or Quicken or other uh, aggregators, they don't want me giving their login information to anybody, but they're asking me as a consumer to give other firms login information. So a bit of a hypocrisy there. Another industry association, nonprofit association that launched, uh, which was very successful is called the Financial Data Exchange or FDX. And that's become the de facto standard for API access uh, for interoperable open banking. I believe the stats show as of October 2023, 65 million consumers are accessing their data through third parties or whatever their tools are that use the FDX API standard. So. It's become very popular. And it's the FDX is another industry consortium. There's all the big banks, Bank of America, City, Capital One, um, firms like Fidelity, JP Morgan, PNC, plus a lot of the vendors are also on the board of directors, Investment Yodoli, uh, Finicity, MX, Plaid. It's it's really the the um the way to go when it comes to uh, API access for data. Now, FDX put out a survey in 20, 2021 that found over 12 million U.S. consumers have transitioned from screen scraping to a version of their FDX API. I'm sure two years later, that's uh, gone up quite a bit. And between 65 and 85 million consumers are still providing data through shared login credentials, which we don't like. And outside of North America, a lot of governments have led the march towards API-based data access well, like the EU's PSD2 regulation uh, helped push it uh, over in Europe. This particular story, which is Fidelity blocking screen scraping and data aggregators, isn't the first uh, major vendor or or major custodian to do this. This has been going on for a number of years. 2020 was a big year for uh, institutions to block screen scrapers. Uh, Investnet Yodaly and Charles Schwab signed an agreement in April 2020 to uh, to avoid Yodely screen scraping Schwab. Uh, so Schwab clients got a better user experience, more reliable, didn't break as much. They got access to more data because Schwab could offer uh, more information. And uh, that wasn't the first agreement that Yodely even closed in 2020. I think they did two or three others. One was Citibank, one JP Morgan uh, signed agreement. So Yodely was working very hard, at least when I spoke to them. Um, They were definitely, they've they've always been uh, very um, uh, strong about their feelings that that they're trying to move away from screen scraping towards data feeds for all of their their data. I'm not sure what the the percentage is, but it's pretty high. Also in 2020, JP Morgan made moves to block fintechs from screen scraping. Capital One cut off access to aggregators. And in 2021, Wells Fargo announced plans to transition 99% of current third-party financial app screen scraping to API-based data exchange, which I believe is the FDX standard. So clearly a trend, a lot of firms moving in this direction to get rid of screen scraping. Uh, So Fidelity is sort of uh, a little bit late to the game that they are now announcing. And now they announced they're going to stop screen scraping about nine months ago. Now what they're doing, uh, interestingly, is not using FDX, but pushing everyone to use Uh, a vendor called Akoya, A-K-O-Y-A, which coincidentally came out of Fidelity Investments in 2018. Uh, So uh, either uh, out of their incubator or or they spun it off into an independent company uh, to do this data aggregation and consolidation. And they managed to get 11 uh, other North American banks to invest in the venture. So now it's another of these um, industry consortiums, like Zelle. You know, it's an industry-based response to external pressures. And it's become very successful because they're forcing you to use it. They've signed deals. Akoya has signed deals with FIS, Intuit, Fiserv, Morningstar, which has the accounts, um, accounts uh, data aggregation uh, platform, as well as InvestNet, Yodely. Now, interestingly, Plaid, which is one of the biggest providers of, before screen scraping and now, uh, data connectivity to financial institutions they're not using Akoya. Now they claim that 75% seventy five percent of their data aggregation goes directly through API feeds, but they've chosen not to integrate with Akoya at this time. So that creates a bit of a dichotomy for consumers. You're using Plaid, but you're not gonna be able to get access to your Fidelity data. So that would affect me as an example. I've got accounts at Fidelity. I wouldn't be able to see them through any um, data aggregation tools that rely on Plaid for connectivity. They're not the only ones that are pushing back on Akoya. Uh, data ag vendors, MX and Trustly, are also not accepting this feed because they're concerned that Akoya has too much power. Uh, I can't say whether it's true or not, but that's cert- they certainly feel that way. But this is, uh, you know, and this is an issue we see in a lot of different areas in wealth management, in that it's not in everyone's interest to cooperate, whether it's uh, trading models or doing data aggregation or um, you know, sitting trades, uh, there's always uh, some firms that are going to opt out because they don't see it as beneficial to them to uh, cooperate with their competitors. Now, the... um, Okay, so we talked about Plaid. Uh, So there's a lot of other issues around this uh, that we're going to see uh, when it comes to data aggregation and how it plays out. And uh, whether you're on a Fidelity or you're on other other custodians or you've got um, multiple bank accounts, how you bring that in and and how you um, view your data is going to be another battle. Whether you're using um, the consumer tools or using a tool provided by your advisor, there's always gonna be issues when you've got these different uh, industry consortiums fighting and uh, some firms in and some firms out. Another part of the story is Mint shutting down, which I'm sad about because I was a a big Mint user. Now, Intuit, interestingly, there were some uh, issues, not issues, but some uh, theories that they were using Mint as a basically an onboarding tool to get uh, users into the other products, which I'm sure uh, seems like a, a good idea. seems like it was successful, but now they're shutting it down. <clears throat> they're trying to push users over towards Credit Karma. Excuse me. And um, I don't see that as really a good solution as a Mint user. Credit Karma is really just uh, a tool to check your credit score and then sell you credit cards and loans, well, which is fine. That's what they're doing. I'm not into that, but that's what they want. But it's not a a good solution if you're looking for a personal financial management tool. Uh, my advisor offers eMoney, which is a great uh, product through the dashboard. So you can you can do your aggregation there. eMoney has built their own data aggregation. If your advisor is Money Guy Pro, uh, you can use that. MoneyGuy Pro, of course, uses uh, Yodely by default since they're both owned by InvestNet. Now, personal financial management goes way back to 1983, when Intuit was founded by uh, Scott Cook and uh, the Quicken app, which I loved for many years and used for many years, uh, the firms call other applications around that time um, in the 80s were managing your money from Andrew Tobias. That was a, a a groundbreaking application, and you know it was it all started um, you know, a a real interesting uh, uh, you know market for these personal financial management tools for a subset of consumers that were um, really focused on budgeting, uh, a little bit annual retentive, I have to admit. Um, you know, A lot of people don't want to get this into this much detail, but there's certainly a, a group of consumers that are interested in this. Uh, I also use Personal Capital, which I found to be a great product and for free on their dashboard, although I think it's gone downhill a bit since it was acquired by Empower. Uh, f- specifically, when you go to, you type personalcapital.com, it redirects you to empower.com, which then redirects you back to personal capital's uh, URL when you log in. So it's a little clue there. And they uh, the screen is the dashboard's broken, the accounts aren't updating. So I, I stopped using using the empower slash personal capital dashboard. Um don't use credit karma, nerd wallet, another option. Uh there's all there's still um there's still Quicken still out there, quicken deluxe for 47 bucks a year. Uh so there's there's still options out there. One of the things we've been looking at and trying to find more of, and I think uh, is going to be an area that's going to um, impact uh, the wealth management space, is aggregators of aggregators. Well, of course, we all know the main, some of the biggest aggregators, Yodlee, Plaid slash Quovo, eMoney, uh, Finicity, and so forth um, in the uh, RAA space. Uh, firms like Wealth Access as well, um, doing data aggregation, but other firms like um uh, there's, a, there's another uh, vendor that just came out with Blueleaf, just came out with a uh, product called Aggregator of Aggregators, uh, which I had a, um, I had John uh, Prendergast, the CEO, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So you can take a listen to that. And I think um, there's those types of tools where you can take multiple aggregators and fill in the gaps uh, because every aggregator is a little bit different. They've got a little bit different um, uh, map of institutions. They have some strengths and weaknesses in what data they provide. So I believe that uh, an aggregator of aggregators approach will be the future for most wealth management firms when they want to provide uh, these types of data tools, both to advisors and clients. And the next story is, Intentionally launches Advisor Brand Builder Marketing Technology Platform. Uh, Intentionally uh, was founded by CEO, Kelly Waltrick and industry branding veteran, Melissa Thomas. And they've launched a new uh, platform, which is unusual for a marketing firm to do that. So this this is a uh, software platform called Advisor Brand Builder. And this, um, I got a demo of this yesterday. I found it to be uh, refreshingly uh, innovative, very new. There's nothing like it that I've seen on the market. What it does is walks you through... All the steps you need uh, as an advisor—it's focused on the advisor business, obviously—in building out your brand. And it, you know, since I've done, I've done my own brand building for Ezra Group a number of times. Uh, I, I really related to a lot of the the questions. Of course, some of the specific things for advisors don't relate to uh, us as consultants. But walking through the process of how you you come up with your brand and all the different components that are required, uh, I think it was a, a, a very interesting way to do it, uh, uh, intu- some parts of it were intuitive, some parts need a little bit of work, but I, I think it's, it's a great first start. And it walks you through, uh, it's it's from the advisor point of view, if you're a solo advisor, or you're running a, an advisory firm, uh, you're the head of marketing, or you need some help with with that, it walks you through all the questions, such as what your logo should be like, what your um, the culture of your what, what the um, what message do you want to send with your marketing? Do you want to say, well, hey, we're traditional, or we're modern, or we're a little bit um, uh, uh, playful, or, or um, you know, a little more light in the way we um, we operate? So you can you can specify that, and it'll adjust the branding to that style. Um, and I thought some of the the way it shows um, different color palettes. So there's different, you know, groups of color palettes. You can say, which ones do you like to like more earth tones, like more pastel, like more, um, more in sort of little bolder colors. So you can pick from those. You can pick different images and all the images are licensed from uh, different uh, image services. And it gives you different groups of images in the different categories that you've selected. If you selected modern uh, you're going to get images that are more modern. If if you chose traditional, you're going to get images that are more traditional. Uh, it also has icon iconography uh, that would appear on the website uh, and other layouts. But one part I thought was very interesting, where it it asks for messaging. So that's going to be a little bit more complicated for uh, advisors to to think about. They really need to spend some time thinking. You know, what's your tagline? What's some of the the, the your services? And that's not something that just rolls off the the top of your head. You have to really think about it a bit. So I I think that's an area where their team can provide feedback. Now, this is not a completely automated tool. There is a team behind it. It's more of an onboarding tool. So it's onboarding for marketing, which is a a unique experience, just like onboarding for advisors, onboarding for portfolio management. Here you have onboarding for marketing. So I think there's a lot of um, ways this can be used, especially for enterprise a broker dealers, enterprise RIAs that are bringing on a lot of advisors or buying up teams and they want to keep those teams independent, or at least with their own branding, they could use this as an intake tool to gather all the information about the brand, things like, well, there's, there's, there's room for putting, well, what are my differentiators? What inspired uh, you to become an advisor? A lot of good background information about the advisory firm that then uh, either, if I'm a broker dealer, I can take that to understand better about the the firm that we've acquired. Or if I am uh, the marketing team, I can better understand what makes that team tick and how can I adjust the brand to to match that. Uh, you know, what's your value prop? And then once you go through all those questions and fill out all that all that text and all the and you answer all the options, the system uh, generates the foundational brand assets. Uh, things simple things like Uh, business card and uh, stationery, but also um, branded banners for Twitter uh, profiles, LinkedIn profiles, Facebook profiles, and other social media uh, graphics, which I have to tell you, is not easy to build. Um, Way back when, uh, before um, Ezra Group grew a lot and we could hire marketing people, I was doing that myself. And I remember trying to remember trying to figure out, well, how big is the Twitter logo or the Twitter profile image supposed to be, the background, and how many pixels is it? And how do I what tool am I using to measure pixels? I don't have Adobe Illustrator. Uh, so this, this kind of tool could be really helpful to a marketing person. Uh, if you're a, you know a one-man band marketing person at an RIA and you need to be able to generate brand assets uh, quickly and update them, see when it'll change the colors a bit, tweak the logo a bit, you just run it through the system. And it'll regenerate everything for you on, on the fly, which is very cool. I'm looking forward to some uh, more AI tools. I know they, that's the, this is the first version, and, and uh, Kelly said they're they're building a lot of AI into this, which I think could be very helpful, especially for a standalone version or to give advice to the advisor while they're filling the, the form out. Things like here's some asking them some questions about differentiation that they don't really understand. A lot of advisors maybe don't know what the differentiation is. So if a tool, rather than just giving an empty box, give me some questions that say, hey, here's some things that other advisors use to differentiate, which ones might you use? Uh, Or maybe review the text in real time and give some feedback. Like if someone's looking over your shoulder and say, oh, that's probably a great idea. Oh, that's, you should expand more on this. Think the uh, AI would be perfect. Uh, The generative AI tools would be perfect for that kind of uh, feedback. They. The part of this, there's two versions of this, one is going to be a self directed, and one is going to be a consultative where there's uh, people walking you through it. So that'll provide a lot of benefits for people. And again, this is something that I think you should take a look at, even if you already got a logo, and you've already you've already got your brand. It's an interesting uh, journey, and kind of reminds you of a lot of things maybe you didn't think about when you're when you were building your brand, or maybe give you some innovative ideas for how to uh, adjust your brand. Uh, going forward, or either way, you should definitely give them a call, uh, uh, Kelly and Melissa, over an intentional.ly. So that uh, is spelled intentional or intention, sorry, intention.ly, intention.ly. All right, we've come to my favorite part of the news. We're talking about the advisor tech map uh, that Michael Kitsis and I uh, partner on, which you can find on com anytime. And I'm gonna go through the new applications that were added this month. We have seven applications. I'm just gonna do a quick review of each, just a quick uh, two seconds on each one here. The first one that we added new vendors called Practice Intel. The website is pracintel, just dot uh, com, And they are a platform that helps advisors gather client feedback. So that goes under the client feedback category, uh, which I believe is in digital marketing. just double check that before I, someone fact checks me. In uh, digital marketing, uh, client engagement, uh, we've got the, it goes into client data gathering um, or client feedback, right? So under client engagement category of the new map, if you see the new organization in October, um, we redesigned the map. Uh, of course, Michael's team did most of the work there. The, uh, where you've got different color-coded and under client engagement, you've got client meeting support, client data gathering and client feedback, which is where practice Intel is going to go. And let's see, then the next one that we're adding is called My Name Flow. And the website is just like it's spelled, mynameflow.com. And that is an automated marketing platform that helps advisors find lost prospects and drive engagement to grow sales. So it's an automated uh, marketing platform going, it will be going under the digital marketing category of the VisorTech tech map. Uh, we're seeing more of these types of tools. Uh, I, I believe that in our industry, at least nitrogen formerly risk sort of blazed the trail for growth platforms and sales enablement tools. Uh, so this is uh, another something similar, although it's going into the digital marketing category called mynameflow, mynameflow.com. Next application is Forms Logic. You can find them at formslogic.com, F O R M S Logic.com. And they are a workflow solution, digital onboarding, paperless and electronic document management. And they're going into the workflow support category. Uh, they've been around for a while. They were founded in 2015. So they fly a bit under the radar, they're mostly in the enterprise space. Uh, doing data storage. Uh, they ha- they had support compliance for business processing. They link to CRMs, uh, a very interesting product. You can check them out at formslogic.com. What this application, when it came into our, our, um, our queue for this month uh, with Michael and I, we, it sparked interesting discussion. This is a little bit of inside baseball as to what's the difference between workflow processing or workflow support category the digital onboarding category, the document management category, and the forms process, forms management category, because they all have workflow in them. Right? If you're doing an onboarding, you've got to have workflow. If you're doing document management, you got to have workflow. If you're doing forms processing, there's got to be workflow. So, uh, Michael and I had a bit of a discussion about the differences between them, and we we didn't come to any agreement, but we did agree to put forms logic into workflow support, even though the word forms is in the name, so maybe they should go into forms management. But from what I know about them, uh, they're better in the, the workflow uh, category. But we, you may see some shakeup there between those categories, or at least we're gonna come up with some better uh, guidelines when an application goes into one of those or the other. Next up is Hadrius, Hadrius, um, dot com. They are a compliance solution, claims to be powered by AI. I'm always skeptical of that, so uh, I'm going to be getting a demo of Hadrius to drill down and see, is it really AI-driven? Uh, is it really using AI in the background? They do communications review, archiving, marketing review and archiving, trade monitoring, task management, attestations and disclosures. Uh, hadrius.com for compliance. You'll see them in the compliance category. Next, a uh, new application being added to the AdvisorTech map that Michael Keats and I work on is paraplanner.ai. P-A-R-A, P-L-A-N-N-E-R, They claim you can save 10 hours a week using their delegation tools where you can delegate admin and planning tasks uh, to their technology. Uh, they're going into the sales enablement categories because they're all about helping firms to grow, uh, growth tools, growth platform, Uh, They offer admin assistance at $35 an hour and power planning at $50 an hour that you can get through their application, paraplanner.ai. Number six on the list, mastro.com, M-A-S-T-T, two T's, R-O.com. And they are data aggregation, account aggregation. Uh, Their website, from, from what I've seen, I saw a demo a while back, that they are really on the higher end, higher net worth, ultra high net worth, uh, client reporting, um, data gathering, data um, consolidation. Uh, they focus a lot on alternative investments, illiquid assets. Uh, so it's a, a bit of a niche, but it is a, going to the account aggregation category, and you can find it at Mastra with two t's dot com. And finally up, we've got Orion Compliance, They've launched, uh, their compliance, I believe, has always been available as a standalone application. And I believe our new um, rule on the map is if you have an application that you sell standalone, it's got separate pricing, then even though it integrates with other parts of your business, we will put it on the map. So Orion Compliance is offered standalone. You can buy it separately. Uh, You can find it at Orion.com. And uh, we are adding it to the map. So that's really the, the, the update for uh, the map. You'll see a new one. This is now the end of November. That's the November map changes. So if you go to Keatsis.com and look up the latest fintech news, scroll to the bottom, and you can download the latest advisor tech map. All right. You've reached the end of another episode of the Wolf Tech Today podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, please go to our website, EzraGroup.com. Scroll to the bottom of the homepage and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you receive an email chock full of wealth management news information updates. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again for listening and talk to you all again next time.